1: Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself.
2: Intellectual growth should commence at birth and only cease at death albert einstein hello and welcome to express yourself we are a program by for and with creative young people a platform to give teens a voice right here on the voice america empowerment channel From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. I'm Andrea Smith, and I'm your host for today's show. Be The Star You Are wants to thank Everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are so thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.org. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. And also make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music, including iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on the Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. We have An amazing show planned for today, all about overcoming learning disabilities. In segment two, I will be interviewing Andrew Naring, the author of The Corrupted Light Chronicles. In segment three, Ruhani will be back with the newest edition of her segment, Teenship. And right now, I'm so excited to introduce our newest reporter on the show, Sydney South. Sydney is currently a senior at Kate School. She is the co-founder and co-editor-in-chief of the Humanities Plus Journal, which can be found at www.hplusjournal.com. Her passions include empowering minority communities and uplifting student voices. In her spare time, she loves to read and play the euphonium. She's a volunteer with Be The Star You Are and now a reporter on Express Yourself Radio. Welcome to the
3: show, Sydney. Thank you so much. So hi, everyone. I'm Sydney Sa, and my series is called Breaking Boundaries, where I'll be discussing history, society, and science. So for today's segment, I'll be talking about women, past and present, who've been influential in spreading awareness about dyslexia. So as teens, it's almost a rite of passage to take standardized tests. No matter whether you attend a public or private institution, you're bound to encounter these tests in the form of the SAT, placement tests, and more. However, what some people may not realize is that these tests are often legally required to have accommodations for students with learning disabilities. But who advocated for these rights that we have today? In 1997, a woman named Marilyn Bartlett sued the New York State Board of Law examiners for rejecting her application for accommodations on the bar exam. She needed to pass this exam to practice law. However, Bartlett struggled with dyslexia, which is a learning disability that involves difficulty reading, writing, and speaking due to problems with connecting letters to their phonetic sounds. Her case, which dragged on for eight years, even included an appeal to the Supreme Court. Eventually, in 2001, Judge Sonia Sotomayor ruled in favor of Bartlett. Sotomayor said that dyslexia qualified her as a disabled person under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Therefore, she was qualified for accommodations for the bar exam. This was a landmark case for learning disabilities because test takers with dyslexia were often misunderstood to be simply poor readers or faking their issues with reading comprehension and denied accommodations. However, despite these policy changes, at the time, there there still wasn't much scientific understanding behind dyslexia. That's why it's equally as important to recognize Sally Shaywitz, who has debunked lots of misconceptions and stereotypes surrounding dyslexia. A physician, neuroscientist, and professor of learning development at Yale University, her work has been incredibly influential in developing the scientific framework for learning disabilities. Through studies examining people with dyslexia from kindergarten all the way to adulthood, she has highlighted society's knowledge and action gap when it comes to dyslexia, she was also one of the first people to use fMRIs, or functional magnetic resonance imaging, to look at the blood flow and brain activity of those with dyslexia. In 2016, she even released the Shaywitz dyslexia screen, so that teachers could efficiently screen young children for dyslexia. From the 1990s to 2021, women have continuously made advancements in public policy and scientific research when it comes to learning disabilities. While society still has a long way to go, it's important to look back and celebrate just how far we've come. That is very true. And thank you so much,
2: Sydney, for that. I feel like I've learned so much now about the history of dyslexia. And it's crazy to think what a new, um, like, this was I feel like relatively new that like a relatively new thing that only a few decades ago um, it was finally like recognized like dyslexia was finally recognized as something that you need accommodations for in tests and I think that is extremely important and I was wondering who are some other women who have significantly contributed to awareness about learning disabilities today?
3: Yeah, so one great example is Olympic gold medalist Simone Biles. So back in 2016, Hackers released her medical information and she went on social media to say that having ADHD and taking medication for it was nothing to be ashamed of. Another really inspiring example is Carol Mosley Braun, who is actually the first African-American woman to be elected to Senate. She has dyslexia and she uses her platform to combat stigma surrounding the learning disability. And how does the law protect
2: students
3: with learning disabilities? If you've been diagnosed with dyslexia, ADD, ADHD, etc., you're entitled to accommodations under the Americans with Disabilities Act. This applies for all public schools and most private schools and colleges. These accommodations really aren't intended to give any sort of advantage, but rather level the playing field. For example, if you have trouble with time management due to your ADHD, you could be allowed extra time on a test. And what does
2: the future of scientific research related to learning disabilities
3: look like? Scientists are really looking to achieve more targeted individual treatment in the future Um, Something else that they're really looking for is adults with learning disorders and improving adult literacy. And another really important direction for scientific research in terms of learning disabilities is inclusion. Just looking at disadvantaged communities and examining how they're affected by learning disabilities.
2: Well, thank you so much sydney
3: i loved our
2: conversation today about learning disabilities it was super informative and but uh, fortunately we are out of time for this segment please show your love for more segments by donating on btsya.org keep listening for more as i interview andrew Naring in the next segment
1: our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our, our timeline. Our on Facebook. Visit Facebook.com/TeamRadio. If you're interested forward forward in becoming a radio voice personality, voice the Positive Message, 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 message Outreach Program of Be the Star be You Are Charity trains dedicated, dedicated young people to be reporters and, reporters and hosts host on Express host Yourself Team Radio. Visit Express Yourself Team for information. Visit Express Yourself for information. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Team at noon Time, Don't forget to tune in to Eastern Express time. Yourself on Tuesdays at noon kids. Pacific Time, where 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens.
3: what's happening on the Voice America kids, Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN.
0: You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids, channel where, Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and star the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, as as star style productions LLC, as an charity. international For outreach program of v the Star You Are Channel. For more information about our show, visit Express Yourself Team Radio.com. Now, visit back to our star teens.
2: Welcome back to Express Yourself. In this segment, I will be interviewing Andrew Naring, the author of David Massey and the Quantum Flux, as well as the Corrupted Light Chronicles. Growing up, he has always been very imaginative child who would tend to get lost in these worlds he created for himself. That passion for creativity never stopped. The concept of David Massey came to him after years of being an avid fan of science fiction. This world that he created draws from both old and new sci-fi concepts. Andrew has recently graduated from Northeastern Illinois University in the beautiful city of Chicago. Now that he has graduated, he is focused on expanding the worlds of David Massey and also the Corrupted Light Chronicles. Andrew's motivation behind writing is to make sure books are more accessible for those with learning disabilities. He wrote his two books because he believes there should be more accessible reads out there for children with dyslexia, as he has dyslexia himself. We are so thrilled to have him on the show today. Welcome to Express Yourself, Andrew.
4: Well, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
2: Of course. And so what has inspired you to write the book, David Massey?
4: So David Massey and the inspiration for it came from my childhood. I was completely obsessed with things like Star Wars. I loved Ender's Game. And uh, I just, I really love sci-fi and anything and everything that I can put myself in like this big world where I can like, that I just like love the whole universe, you know? And so for me, the inspiration came from my childhood loves uh, of like sci-fi and action adventure and all that good stuff. Yeah.
2: I love that. And how, can you talk a bit about your experience with dyslexia and maybe how that has affected you as an author?
4: Yeah, so I got I got a whole dyslexia story. So uh, when I was growing up as a kid, I, uh, I have, so starting off, I have a photographic and auditory memory. And so growing up as a kid, I learned just to memorize the words in like first and second grade. And that really affected my comprehension towards, uh, as I got to like fifth grade. And, uh, by that time I was like, I could read a whole, like a whole like book to you, but be like, what, what did I say? Because I'm just going off pure memory. And so around that time I got, uh, I got, my brother got diagnosed with dyslexia and, uh, so then I followed suit because my mom was like, "Hey, like you need to uh, you get you need to get checked out too." And it turns out I was dyslexic, but my memory was masking it. And so I ended up going to a tutor from like fifth to seventh grade, and it really helped my comprehension. But I wasn't like a big fan. Of reading, still like it was still tough for me and all that. And so, when I got into high school, I really so uh, my first class in high school it was that we had to pick a book, and uh, in this English class, we had to do a book report. And so, I looked through this like big library of books, trying to find the smallest book I could, and I pulled out Beowulf. And so, Beowulf is just a tough read. But I absolutely loved it. And so this, this kind of sparked my love of reading, whereas the next year, uh, my English teacher had me uh, write whatever I wanted. And so I, when I write, I'll put like just an endless sentence almost. And so I kind of presented that, and it was like, oh, my gosh, she took the time. It was weeks of just going through it. And it really, looking back on it, it really helped develop me as a writer, whereas I had other teachers who didn't believe I was dyslexic and just thought I was, like, lazy or, like, copping out or something like that. Where at, like, But actually, I'm trying, and I've had more than one teacher say that to me. So uh, for me, writing uh, – sorry, I, for, I forgot what the question was. <laughs>
2: oh yeah just your experience with dyslexia and it seems like that was like that must have been really hard for you and like teachers would just automatically assume that you were just lazy or not trying hard enough and I was wondering if you could tell us like what exactly dyslexia is um, for the viewers out there and like what exactly how that affected your reading
4: so, uh, how it affected my reading and writing? Yes. Okay. So, dyslexia affected my reading because I had I had bad comprehension early on, and so I had to figure out really how to like comprehend like the, the books I'm reading and do all that. But uh, right as of right now, I'm a, like so. It's definitely I'm definitely not the fastest reader, but. I still I still read a lot, and so dyslexia it's it really affected my comprehension early on. But now since I've gotten over that, it's more so like I'll flip a word when I'm writing. Or I'll see it more when in my writing when I'm going through editing.
2: And what are and you were talking about like some of the misconceptions your teacher had of you? What are common misconceptions of dyslexia and learning disabilities in general and, like, across the board for students worldwide?
4: Okay, so uh, some misconceptions about me that my, that my teachers would take was that I was, I was clearly, like, they, they clearly saw that I was intelligent, but they didn't think I was trying because I would take too long on my work. They didn't believe that I should get extra time on tests they didn't believe that uh I should get like uh any any of the accommodations I got. And so I've had I had three teachers pull me and my parents in and tell me, hey, we don't we, we he doesn't need this. And that just ensued a big conflict. But at the end of the day, they just had this bias against like uh Because I don't
2: think they really understood what dyslexia is. Wow, yeah. I can definitely see how, like, a lot, like, it seems like there's a lot, there's a heavy stigma around learning disabilities and, like, people not believing that it's actually like something that is real and that you are going through and that many other kids are going through. And how can reading science fiction and other creative fiction help kids form ideas across all areas of writing?
4: Well, so reading science fiction and other fiction books really just sparks that interest that will pursue, like that will help them pursue the being, at, being better at reading and writing. Like for my books, I try and make the most fun, fast book I can where it's like, wow, that was so good. And I finished the book and I want, I want kids to have that same feeling when I like the same feeling that I had when I first started reading and being like, wow, I finished these books that like before seemed so daunting to me. to The point where it was like, I was like overwhelmed by the thought of reading a book when I was in grade school, but now it's like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll read the Iliad or any old book, new book, whatever it is, because I have that passion that that was ignited by what was for me Beowulf. But that's what I really want because I love love Star Wars and all that. And so I took my love of what I love and tried to put it in, in a book, and I, I think it turned out really well. And I'm excited for people to read it and uh, be like, "Wow! Like that book was awesome. I finished it quickly, and wow! Like I can read more books."
2: And yet I love that. I feel like I can even relate to that. Um, and many others can that like how reading can feel really daunting. And sometimes I'll start reading a book, but then I'll never finish it because it's very long. And then I get distracted <laughs> by other things. But when I oh, actually finish yeah. book, I'm so proud of myself. And I'm like, you know, I finished that book. And so your book, David Massey, is just 134 pages long. Did you write it to be short for others with dyslexia? Because also people don't want long, long books these days.
4: Yeah, I definitely wrote it to be shorter. And so like they get that instant satisfaction when they finish the book. But I also wrote it in a way that it reads fast. Like, it reads like if they're watching a movie or something like that. And that's what I really want, like, that satisfaction for anybody who's struggling with dyslexia or anything like that. I want them to be like, wow, like, before I knew it, I finished this book. That's never happened to me before.
2: Yes, I love that. That's the most satisfying feeling because I feel like for myself, I'm an extremely slow reader. So even just reading five pages in a heavy book like is a lot for me. And so having a quick read, like having a book that I can read through it really fast, it really boosts my confidence. So I can imagine how that will boost many other people's confidence reading your book. And oh, yeah. also going into the topic of accessibility, why is it important to provide more accessible literature for those with reading disabilities?
4: Uh, so more accessible, like guess, in the means of like easy to read or like uh, easy to get a hold of? Both. Okay, okay so I think... Both in accessibility of easy to read it's that it's that gratification like the satisfaction of finishing the book and being like, "Wow, that was awesome like, And then for the like the easy to get to, that's also just as important because someone might not uh, like a kid might not find my book online or something like that, but if they go to the library and they're like, "Oh, I got a book report." And they see, they pull out this book, they're like, oh, I, c- I could read this. And then bam, they, they're able to read it and love it and just be like, wow, like, that was awesome. Like, I really want that for everybody.
2: Yes. Um, and in your opinion, how can we get rid of the negative stigma behind learning disabilities in today's world?
4: Well, the negative stigma, I think, stems from a lot of misunderstanding and not really understanding. Everybody has a different, like, strife they have, like, a struggle they have to go through. Like, I feel like the worst thing for any any student with dyslexia or dyslexia period is that cookie-cutter mentality. Like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. Because, in my case, right, it was like, this is how it's supposed to be. I just ended up memorizing all the words and not really knowing what I'm saying. And it really took me going through and, like, comprehension. And, like, when I was doing that, it was, like, sure, it was, like, pulling teeth at first. And I went through this for a couple years of just straight comprehension training. And... It just it starts to click at a point. And it's like when that happens is a great thing. And it takes that desire to do better.
2: Yeah, I completely agree that like we I feel like in society it's very common to place cookie cutter stereotypes on people that don't necessarily fit in to what's considered normal and so I think that it's extremely important to break out of that like cookie cutter mindset and realize that everybody learns differently and everybody's journey in learning is very unique to them and that teachers and in the education system needs to be more accommodating to each student to really help each student grow in their confidence and learning and grow in their learning as well. And going back to like your story and the book you just wrote, why is this story so important to you personally?
4: So David Massey and the quantum flux is is my second is my second series, and it's so important to me because it it really just draws on all the things I loved growing up. Like I loved Darth Vader. I loved like like I loved Indiana Jones. I loved all of these things. And what I loved that I did is that I I put put everything I loved together in such a unique way. And have the story told in such a fascinating and fun, but like still mysterious way that keeps people hooked and gives gives them so much satisfaction as they read it.
2: Yes, I love that. And what do you hope that your readers take away from reading the book?
4: I would say I want my readers to take away is like that even though things may not go to plan, in science and everything, a failure is just another step towards success.
2: Wow, that is, such, I love that. I love, I think that that is also something that is a really important message in today's world that failure, that we, that failure shouldn't be something that stops you from going towards your dreams. And I feel like a lot of people, when they do fail, they become super unmotivated and then completely drop that course of path that they're trying to achieve. And I really love how you're trying to bring that message to young readers and young people, especially that in failure, um, it is our way to succeed because no one succeeds without failure, obviously. And in your book, in your since it like focuses a lot on sci-fi, did you do any kind of special research to help write some of the more scientific
4: parts of the book? So I I did do a little bit of research on like so I was already a sci-fi nerd so I knew most of the concepts but. I did do a little research on like uh re- like uh I think it's like not dimensions but it's like realities that's what I refer to them as the books are like different realities like uh, I don't know if it's a quantum reality theory or something like that that is like there's a there's just a bunch of different universes stacked on top of each other oh I think it's parallel universe theory something like that oh yes so David Massey it plays on so David starts phasing through these realities after a fateful encounter with a dark armored figure and he has to figure out a way to get out of these realities and luckily for him he runs into a time cop named CP and they have a plan that involves going to the, everywhere from the center of the earth The Dark Side
2: of the Moon to try to help David. Oh, that is... Yeah, that is very interesting. And um, I personally really love quantum mechanics and, like, learning about the universe and space and how there's, like, all the theories surrounding that is super interesting to me. And I wanted to ask you as well, is David Massey based on you like do you feel connected to david as a character
4: I definitely have a connection to david but I'd say david is more of a bunch of a bunch of people that I've known and like their their situation put together along with me but that's that's the case with most most of my characters is there's no I, I can't pin well, in in couple, I can pin to myself, but David, I would say, is completely unique.
2: Wow, and that is really cool to like have a character that is based off a ton of different people in your life. And who would you say are some of the other people in your life that um, that da- that is in David and like their qualities that show up in David's character?
4: So as far as uh, so, some of David's humor comes from me, but some of uh, some of how like David goes about things comes from my fiance. Some of the uh, some of the I don't want to say the situations, but some of his attitude comes from like uh, some old friends of mine. But as, I just love how I made David his own person.
2: And what makes him the most unique character?
4: So there are a couple very unique characters in the, in the story itself. But what makes David unique is he lost his brother. He, he mysteriously disappeared one night. Um, and he lost him five years ago. And his brother was a genius, had a whole lab downstairs in the basement. And like David idolized him. And so, what David had, David, the only place he felt close to his brother Morgan was that lab. And so, he would spend the next five years basically just there whenever he can, seeing the inventions he made, looking at his notes, and all sorts of stuff.
2: And would you say that David's your favorite character in the novel?
4: So, in, in this series, David is definitely one of my favorite characters. I really do like the dark armored figure because I've, I've always been a fan of, like, the, the big bad guys. But love the dark armored figure, love David, and I love CP.
2: And if David Massey was made into a movie, who would you want to play him as an actor
4: Hmm. So, as far as who I'd want to play him, huh. I definitely would want to pick a pick a newer newer actor who's who's younger and he's uh David's mixed, so I definitely would pick somebody mixed.
2: And I guess a big question now is, so what's next for David Massey?
4: Oh, so we got, I plan on doing about five to six books of David Massey. I'm already working on book number two, which at the end of the, at the end of this first book, hints at them going back to ancient Greece, which is pretty cool. And it's just, a think about, this book is is the great foundation for this fantastic universe that I'm building.
2: Wow, I am excited. That sounds very interesting. And as an author yourself, I'm curious, what is what would you say was your biggest struggle in writing books? Um, and how long approximately does it take you to write a book?
4: So... As far as my struggle with writing, I started writing like um, I started writing books in college, and the first time I wrote uh, the, the, my first book was Corrupted Like Chronicles," the first time I wrote that first draft, it was probably the worst thing I've ever written. but through perseverance, through all of all this work and time and thought. I was, I got it to where I wanted it to be. And so my struggle with writing currently is definitely when I go, so I don't know if any other, any other writer does this, but when I write, I take, it's literally like days at a time that I'm just post, like putting my, my thoughts on the paper and it's, it looks like, uh, like an endless paragraph with like chapter breaks, and I have to go through and edit it and edit it and edit it, and I'll see like with uh with my dyslexia, I'll like slip words, misspell them i'll might I might have a sentence too high or something like that, and so my struggle with that has been just perseverance has been like the the antidote to most of my struggles.
2: And do you have a favorite
4: place where you write? Uh, wait, sorry, what was that?
2: Oh, wait, do you have a favorite place where you write?
4: So the place doesn't, doesn't really matter too much as long as it's a semi-quiet place where I can just really zone, like I get in this, this zone, When I write, and it's like it's like almost like a trance, like that I'm just going in, being like, "Okay, gotta put this here, this there, add here," and I'll I'll look up, and it's been three hours, and I'll be like, "Oh my gosh, I am so tired," because especially with the first draft, the the most strenuous is putting my thoughts on the paper, and I am just completely drained and, like, it's it's something else.
2: Yes, I can imagine, like, writing can be very draining, and I feel like for myself, I'll, like, write, like, a paragraph, or, like, two paragraphs, and then I will need to go on a long break, because I'm just so tired and exhausted after that, and so I can definitely relate to that, but Thank you so much, Andrew, for spending time on the show today. I absolutely loved our conversation. But unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment. Please be sure Uh, to check his website at www.andrewmnaring.com and read his newest book, David Massey and the Quantum Flux. Please show your love for more segments by donating on btsya.org and keep listening for more as we will have Ruhani with her newest edition of her segment next.
1: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
0: Welcome back
2: to Express Yourself. Today's show is all about overcoming learning disabilities. I'm so excited to have Ruhani with us today to talk about leadership, or as she calls it, teenship. So, hi Ruhani, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing good. And so, Ruhani, this week we're talking about learning disabilities. How does this coincide with your segment about teen
5: leadership, teenship? Well, it really does coincide in a lot of ways. Learning disabilities can be a challenge one has to deal with, but they don't limit someone from reaching great heights. You know, there have been so many prominent figures with learning disabilities off the top of my head. There's um, British novelist Agatha Christie, who really revolutionized the mystery genre. And she had dysgraphia and that's a learning disorder that affects penmanship, spelling, arithmetic. And despite her trouble with all those things, she was still able to produce so many amazing works. And I love them so much. And there's also um, Albert Einstein, who really needs no description. He's one of the most well-known scientists in the world. And most ironically, he suffered from dyscalculia, which is a mathematical learning disorder. So he viewed numbers in a kind of different unconventional way but obviously his intelligence and understanding of math was beyond incredible. Also historians have studied the father of the nation George Washington's grammar skills and spelling leading many to believe he had dyslexia so he struggled with writing but it didn't affect his leadership skills at all.
2: Wow, I had no idea that Albert Einstein suffered from a learning disability. That is really interesting. And do you know any
5: current public figures who have learning disabilities? Oh, yeah, there are plenty. So there's like Michael Phelps, the Olympian swimmer, and he has ADHD. So that's like a mental health disorder that affects a person's attention span and self control. So he was diagnosed with that when he was um, in sixth grade, I believe. So it was hard for him to get through a class without fidgeting, but he could swim for hours in a pool, which is incredible. And by the age of 10, he was a nationally ranked swimmer. Another um, well-known person with a learning disability that I know is Daniel Radcliffe, who played Harry Potter. So he has dyspraxia, which is a disorder that can affect motor skills. He has like problems tying his shoes, holding cutlery, but he is such a brilliant actor. And there's also CNN reporter Anderson Cooper, who has dyslexia. And despite his struggle with reading, he is one of the most well-known journalists in the world. He is so inspiring.
2: Ah, They are also inspiring. And do you know any TV shows or movies with good representation of people with learning
5: disabilities? I do actually. And um, one of them is a Disney show called Andy Mack, who actually has a character with a dyscalculia as well. He was Um, I think his character arc was something like he was about to go get kicked out of the basketball team because he was failing math and he was ashamed of his diagnosis. And his friend, he helped him realize that there was nothing to be ashamed of. And the diagnosis got him accommodated effectively. He learned math at his own pace, got his grade up and stayed on the basketball team. So it's a great show. And another one that I recommend is Atypical on Netflix. It has great representation. It follows the everyday life of autistic teenager Sam Gardner. And Sam is an amazing, well-rounded character, and the show is incredibly heartfelt. But um, one of my favorite movies of all time is actually about a boy with a dyslexia. It's a Bollywood movie called Like Stars on Earth. And in Asian countries, there's unfortunately a lot more taboo surrounding learning disabilities and the boy, he's sent to this boarding school because his father believes he is just lazy and ignorant. But a teacher at the boarding school who also has dyslexia recognizes the boy's struggles and mentors him. So it's a sweet, informative tearjerker, and you can also find that on Netflix.
2: Wow, I'll definitely be checking those movies out and those shows out. It's a shame there's such a stigma around those with learning disabilities, They're sometimes considered less intelligent when obviously that is not at all the case. And so what do you think can be done to reduce the stigma around learning disabilities?
5: That's a great question. You know, I honestly think it's segments like these. It's so important to, you know, keep educating people and that way people will learn how learning disabilities are really nothing to be ashamed of. And because of the obstacles they create, people with learning disabilities might need, you know, different accommodations, learning styles, but they are just as capable and intelligent.
2: Well, thank you so much, Ruhani. I absolutely loved our conversation today, but unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. And thanks to our guests from across the world. And a huge thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top rated program. As always, remember to speak up, speak out,
0: and express yourself.